Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. I don't know why, but I suddenly had the memory of the first time my father caught me swearing. Which is a weird memory to have, because it's probably happened to all of us. Now, some parents wouldn't care. Uh, my father honestly probably didn't. But because it was shocking, he felt like he had to do something. I do remember I was little, like maybe six or seven. And I don't remember why I swore, but I do remember I dropped an F-bomb. And it was a long extended one. So I was with a friend, we were playing. My father said something or did something, and he walked past us into the garage. Now I was young enough to not realize that sound carries. So there's your first problem, because I don't remember why I said it, but what I said was, fuck. It was long and pronounced and unmistakable. So my father snatched me up, and I don't know, I assume just brushed away my friend, told him to go away. Then he sat me down, and he wanted to know where I'd heard that word. Now, my honest opinion Right now, you know, X amount of years later, where I don't remember how this came about, the real problem is I probably didn't know then. I had learned the word. I had learned it was a bad word. I really enjoyed using it. I used it as much as I could, I guess. Uh, I've actually spent a great deal of my life swearing. There is a very good chance I actually learned it from him. I actually don't know. I'm not blaming any individual for the fact that I learned how to swear because, let's face it, in the real world, swearing goes on all around you all the time. Also, I wasn't a snitch. I wasn't going to be snitching out someone else for teaching me how to swear, something that I, at that time, clearly already enjoyed doing, got a great deal of pleasure from. But I do remember one sensation. It was sitting in the garage while my father is angrily asking, demanding, it's like an interrogation. If he had like a light bulb, he would have swung it over my head. Demanding where I'd learned these bad words that I was now saying with such verve. But I remember thinking even then, let's just get past this conversation and get the punishment over with. So whatever you're going to do, just do it. Now, I didn't say that. I wasn't, you know, that forward. But I do remember thinking it. Like, let's just get this over with. If you're going to punish me, Punish me if you're going to hit me. Just go ahead and hit me. Let's just get this done and out of the way so I can move on with my life. You can move on with yours. It made me realize that how you react to the kids is how they will engage with swearing from that point on. So I really enjoyed swearing most of my life. I tried to swear less after I had my own kids. My son, I've told this story before, learned the word shit from watching me play the Uncharted series. Now, they don't drop F-bombs very often. I don't think they drop any at all. 
they do say shit continuously when they're in trouble. So after a while, he asked me what shit means. And I was frozen for a moment because I knew how I reacted was going to determine how he was going to engage with this word from now on. Basically, it was going to determine whether or not he started using it. So I didn't get upset. I didn't react strongly in any way. I just looked at him and said, it's a bad word. It just means poop. It's a bad word, and we often say it when there's a tough situation. So these guys, of course, people turn around a corner, and there's the people there who are about to shoot at them. They say, oh, shit. In Japanese, there's a word. It's about the same kind of impact now. I think shit used to be a lot stronger, but at this point it's not. In Japan, they have a word, and kids say it, and you'll see it in animation for kids and stuff. They say kuso, which just means shit. Uh, but it's pretty light. And it has the exact same feeling. So I got to, I was able to explain it to him that way. Like uh, the way you use the word so, it's actually the same meaning, same feeling. Uh, but you should be aware or you should be careful that it's a bad word. So if you say it to the wrong person, they might get angry. We're getting to the point now in society where it's on TV. Like I remember they used to censor shit on television. And I think it was South Park that pushed the envelope. They even had the counter in that one episode of how many shits they said in a corner. And I think it was the point of the episode was if they got to so many, it would like a cataclysmic event would occur. But that is something that people say, like language has power, which is true, but at the same time, it only has the power you give it. So once we take away the value or the power of swears, then they don't really mean anything anymore. And they take away the impact. One of the other episodes I did a long, long time ago was about how swearing helps with pain tolerance. So if you stick your hand, uh, they did it with ice cold water so that it wouldn't actually hurt. Like it would hurt, but it wouldn't do physical damage. Uh, people who stayed silent, you know, they actually marked it as it hurting more. People who swore, they found they could tolerate more pain overall. So it does have a benefit. The interesting thing is it had to be culturally relevant. If it was, say the word shit, which let's say has less impact now than it used to, that comes with it the same problem of it doesn't have the same pain tolerance. Whereas if you say a really bad word as society is concerned, that actually would have more pain tolerance impact. Uh, they haven't explained that yet, but it's probably something to do with just your brain going, okay, we're saying bad words to get out more tension. And therefore that more tension helps you alleviate more pain. What I really remember though, more than anything else, is even as a little kid, it had already gotten to the point where I was like, if you want to punish me, punish me, go ahead. We don't need to talk about it. Just get it over with. Let's just do this. This episode may sound a little different. It may just be a little different. I have been very busy leading up to the holiday. It's now the winter break. So my brain's gone. Uh, I got a couple weeks off. I'm going to make a turkey for the first time tomorrow. So that's going to be exciting. I don't think I've actually given it enough time to thaw. Apparently, you can microwave them into thawing, so we'll see how that works out. And I haven't had as many notes as other episodes or things I've done in the past, so you're kind of getting a scraps version of Podcast. It might be a whole bunch of small... I don't even know what's going on. Let's just put it that way. I'm not sure if I'm going to put up episodes over the next week because I have a bunch of other stuff to do with family and whatnot. I have had a weird experience. So I have a friend who's kind of into whiskey and I saw a video on the internet and he was talking about Lagavulin being 
a really good whiskey and something that people should use. Like, like people who don't like whiskey like this whiskey. So I thought, ah, I like some whiskeys. I don't like the pretension that goes with it. I've had that conversation many times in many different situations. Pretensions all around kind of turn me off. A fancy restaurant, I'm immediately uncomfortable. I don't really want to be there. It's, it feels like I don't belong there. That goes along with a lot of things that are pretentious. It's just, I feel like I shouldn't be a part of this. This isn't what I want to be as a lifestyle. So whiskey does come with pretension. And it bugs me because I think there are some very good whiskeys out there. People who drink whiskey are the problem. I've actually found that people involved with making whiskey are far more forgiving uh, of people's idiosyncrasies and whatnot. I remember... I went to a strip club with some judo guys really early on. This was like right when I was legal age of drinking. And I ordered a highball, so whiskey and ginger ale. And one of the other judo guys looked at me like with the most offended look, like how could I ruin whiskey like that? And honestly, at that time, I just didn't like straight whiskey. Even now, I wouldn't drink that much of it. Like it's fine, but it's not the drink of choice. I want to enjoy myself. A highball is a far more enjoyable drink. I'm a rum and coke guy. Uh, again, same coworker now makes fun of that, saying it's like the most dad drink you can have. But I think dads have realized that, you know, screw all this pretension. They just want to drink something that tastes good and get drunk. So I bought this bottle of Lagavulin, and, which I'm not saying right. So if you want to send a message in about that, absolutely go ahead. I will just rip on it because you're falling into the same trap as pretentious people. It was a unique experience because it was one of the first times in my life I actually had something that was complicated. Uh, and it really, it was it's apropos to say that it was a complicated taste and flavor. There were a lot of things that happened as you drank the whiskey. It was smoky. It was actually one of the first drinks where I thought smoky was an appropriate word to go with it. Most of the time they say stuff like that and I'm just like, what are you talking about? It had a very smoky finish. I now can honestly say, I think I have a good understanding of what that one thing means. When they say like hints of bark and stuff, okay, I'm done. It tastes like licking a brass doorknob. That's, to me, the peak of pretense and failure at the same time. It was a whiskey review, read it years ago, but that sentence never left me. It tastes like licking a brass doorknob. Now there's lots of brass things in the world. It doesn't have to be a doorknob, but very specifically licking a doorknob. It couldn't be like licking a penny or something else. I guess that's copper, but you know what I mean. Could have been licking anything. Really, it sounded like this guy was trying to put his fetish for licking doorknobs out in the world. I have a brass pen. It's the pen I write all my notes with, what I basically work with. One pen, the TI Click pen. You should actually look into it. Uh, you can't get the brass one probably. It's part of a Kickstarter campaign. You don't care. Very good pen though. So if you're ever out looking for one and you want to spend about a hundred bucks on a pen, which honestly most people would not want to do, but if you're the kind of person who'll have one pen for the rest of your life, absolutely look into EDC TI click pen. So the first night I had it straight and then I had it with water and I liked it better with water. And I watched a video on the internet. I tried to find it a bunch of times. It was talking about how you're not really supposed to drink whiskey straight. Like when you, you down a shot of whiskey and you go, Rrr! That's not right. You're actually supposed to dilute it. So right now it's about 40% alcohol as an average bottle of whiskey. You're supposed to dilute it down to about 25%. So you're supposed to put a lot of water in that. So you're just getting the flavor and none of that 
sort of stringent bite of the alcohol, you're still going to get drunk. So the benefits are all there. I enjoyed the experience. I can't say this is something I would want to drink all the time because again, I'm a way more simple palate than this is kind of aimed towards. So I had that, I had it mixed with a couple other things. People, as soon as I said that, were like, well, you can't mix that with anything. Like they're telling me how to live my life, which immediately makes me think your opinion is no longer valid. Up until that point, I had been having a series of dreams. Every night it was a similar dream where I was in South America. And I wasn't really doing particularly much. I was looking at South America, mountains and forests and, and things like that. I recognize some of the cities, but I recognize them honestly from movies. So maybe just movies have now interlaid with my dreams because I don't have a real life anymore. After drinking this whiskey in the dream, so maybe four or five nights previous, I was in South America. In this one, I was in South America and then I was suddenly gunned down by drug dealers, which is borderline racist if I'm being honest. But as an experiment, I didn't drink the whiskey. And then I waited a few days and I drank the whiskey again. And every night I drank the whiskey, I started having really violent dreams. Now, I'd never ascribed to like what you eat or drink affects your dreams. It must, to be honest, to a degree. But I didn't think it would like play out so specifically as I drink this whiskey and therefore have violent dreams that night. That was a very strange thing to have happen. Since we're on dreams, I think about four times in my life, I've actually had prescient dreams. They're the dreams where you see something happen in the future and you wake up and you realize like this is something that's going to happen. You don't know when, you don't know how. And there is a scientific explanation. They're saying it's common things that happen and your brain formulates this situation and you just have the dream and it's not real. Like it's not really prescient. It's just so similar to something that you would do or a situation you would be in when that situation comes to pass, you you know, shade out all the details that don't match and you think you had a completely predictive dream about the future. That's 100% accurate. And that is how I felt when it happened. It's happened about three, four times in my life. The interesting thing, so I get that that's not real. It's your brain playing with situations you live in and then that situation happens and then you believe it's real. I am not psychic. I want to put that out there right now. The interesting thing though is that the dreams and the subsequent events are incredibly mundane. This would be a case for one of the worst superpowers ever. I forget if it was a website or something. I used to follow something online. It was just the worst superpowers. And it was like levitate two centimeters off the ground. So it wouldn't actually do you any good because you're always just basically in the same situation. Anyways, uh, you can fast forward or you can leap forward into the future one second, but then immediately leap back. So you can see what was going to happen one second in the future and leap back, but then you wouldn't have enough time to actually do anything about it because you're not the Flash. You still have normal human reaction time. It was a good website. It was a good, uh, good joke that went on for a couple of years. This would fall into that category. You are psychic or prescient. You have this superpower, but the only things you see have no relevance to anything significant in the world. So yes, one day... I'm going to be in a car while someone is driving and I'm going to look through their wallet. Now, nothing's going to come of that. I'm not going to find anything incriminating. I'm not going to realize that they are the uh, part of an evil organization that's trying to clone the world. I'm just going to look at their wallet and go, wow, you have like a really stupid driver's license picture and then put their wallet down and we're going to go on with our day. 
And that is how I feel about the whole podcast right now, only because it's not related to anything significant. I didn't have time to plan anything out. I didn't have any really good ideas. I have one thing to talk about next. We're going to talk about that. And then I think I might be taking my winter break. Recently, I watched two movies and I had very similar feelings about both movies. I watched the whole Born series. I wanted to see if my son would like it. So I started watching it just to check. It was like all cool. And it is. I realized something I'd read earlier was true that in the Born, in the Jason Bourne movie, the last of the series, Matt Damon, I think the number they said was 40 or 48 lines, like in total. And a lot of those lines, like actual lines would be like, why? And that counts as a line because it's a whole sort of sentence in itself. So I think a future C. McBee episode, C. McBee reads, I might read the entirety of Jason Bourne's lines from that movie uh, if I can find the script with just his lines in it. But in there, sort of stuck right before that last one, is a movie called The Bourne Legacy. And it's got Hawkeye in it. And it is panned as a really bad Jason Bourne movie. And that's because it is a really bad Jason Bourne movie. The connection to the Jason Bourne universe is forced. The pictures of Jason Bourne sort of in the background when they're talking about things happening is distracting to the actual story. So when I went back and watched it, I couldn't remember anything about it. When I talked to a friend about it, he kept saying things that happened in the movie that were incorrect. Like he was actually referring to a different movie. I'm like, no, that's not what happened. Then he said, oh, that's because it's so forgettable. And I'm like, well, it is and it isn't. Because I watched it as an independent film of its own, divorced of the Bourne series. And it's actually a pretty good movie. It suffers from the Bourne moniker because you're expecting a Bourne film. And it's not. If they had done this under a new title, it's like a new IP, I think they actually would have had a new franchise on their hands because what it is is a program that the government has made to enhance soldiers. So you get a virus that increases your physical capabilities. And then there's a second virus that increases your mental faculties. So they're essentially talking about creating the super soldier serum from uh, Captain America, only they're applying it to a group of people. And so in the story... He's trying to first find out what's going on because they try to they wipe this program and wipe this program means actually kill all the people involved with it. So they start killing off all the agents. It's like Order 66 in the Star Wars universe. This guy, up until this point, you are taking the drugs regularly to maintain the impact that it's supposed to have. But he wants to actually try to make it permanent so that he can then survive. There's a very interesting side point when he was inducted into the military, when he was recruited, he actually had his IQ increased by 12 points so that he could hit the minimum. So what he's actually concerned about is if he doesn't get these drugs, his intelligence is going to slowly go down and down and down and he will be back to where he was before. So you can see it's actually got a lot at stake. There's sure the whole survival of the main character, but there's also the survival of the identity of the main character as he is now. That's all part of the film. And I thought, yes, as an independent film, this is a really good movie. And it would have been better because it could have launched off another franchise. It wouldn't be connected to the Bourne universe at all, which is fine. They didn't need uh, extension to the Bourne universe. It could have been whatever they called it. I think I forget what the name. I forget the name of the program right now. But, I mean, just start from there 
and don't talk about Jason Bourne at all. If they'd talked about Jason Bourne as a side note, that actually would have been more interesting instead of calling it the Bourne legacy because it was not his legacy at all. They could have just had Jason Bourne lives in this universe and is actually part of a different program in the government, which would imply that there's like lots of these programs. Therefore, you can set up the future installments of the franchise where they have to dismantle the different organizations, where they have to fight the different people with different serums and stuff. I mean, this is very comic book stuff, but if you actually watch it, most of these movies are pretty comic booky in the actual logic of their plot. Then, just the other day, I finished watching all the Alien movies. So Prometheus and Alien Covenant are the last two. Alien Covenant is a beautiful film. It is really well set up. It does have an amazing moment where there's a mass genocide, which I think people forget happens, because it's actually a huge event. The engineers who seeded planets, who we believe created humanity, are then wiped out in a single moment by one of the androids that got on the ship at the end of Prometheus. I think what this showed, though, was that Ridley Scott, the director, and maybe even the writer, I'm not sure, but he was the director, doesn't actually care about or want to make alien movies anymore, which is fine. I mean, the original horror film was amazing. The action film that came second was good, and then it just lost the plot altogether because it's very hard to continue with a monster movie without changing the monster. He wants to explore AI. The idea of artificial intelligence, of these androids that have exceeded the capacity of humanity, that's what he wants to explore because the robot is the bad guy in the film. He's engineering the aliens, these organisms, and he's basically valuing them more than the humans who created him in the first place. There is an underpinning, there's a lot of underpinning moments in the movie where you get ideas of you create something and that creation will surpass you. So humanity surpassed the engineers because eventually they got wiped out. The AI has surpassed humanity and it's creating the aliens and the aliens, they're this destructive force in the alien universe, at least in these stories. But it does lead you to this problem where the way they are engineered right now is to wipe out all life on the planet. So there is no uh, evolution beyond them. As an independent film, though, it was very good. Actually, if it didn't have an alien in it, if they used like a disease or something else and just cut it from the alien franchise, I think you would have had, again, another very interesting movie where you have the humans battling the evil robot that they've created in a way. And this is a battle for superiority between humans' creation and humanity itself. But because they connected to the aliens and they stuck the alien back in, and it sort of honestly didn't really fit that much. Like, it worked out fine, but it didn't make for a better alien movie. And that's what people like myself, who are fans of the Alien franchise, that's what we're looking for, is the next step in an alien movie but you can't really go back to just being a horror film anymore. You can't really just go back to being an action movie. It has to be somewhat philosophical. You are stuck. And I think this is the problem with a lot of franchises. You get to a point where you're stuck. and It's actually worse to make another film than to just give up and start again with something else. But there is no name or brand behind starting a new IP. And that's why you end up getting these movies that would be better on their own, removing the elements that connect them to a larger franchise. Uh, winter break's coming up. If I have chances to record, I'm going to record as much as I can. 
many winter breaks, I have not had those chances. I do not know what's going on. Uh, I have, if I can continue doing this on my phone and it sounds okay, I'm going to put this episode together. And if it sounds good, I'm actually going to keep trying to do it this way so I can just kind of record all the time when I have my phone around. But if I don't get an episode out before the new year, have a good Christmas, have a good holiday, whatever you celebrate, have a good new year. Everyone has to celebrate the new year because that's just the natural passage of time. Uh, please continue to stay safe. If you're interested, another podcast I started making a little while ago is C. McBee. It's kind of a podcast, only slightly longer form. I will talk about one thing for 20 minutes. Uh, I will do a thing called C. McBee Reads, and that's just where I find some stuff. I read the last one I read a Trump speech in a normal voice to see if he sounded any more sane. Uh, honestly, it did not work out that way. If you listen to this, uh, I live in Japan. I read the news. I do a show called Ninja News Japan. So there's a ton of content out there for you. If you miss my voice, there is absolutely no reason for you to end up missing my voice. Uh, Happy New Year and all the best. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to velocipeter.com slash podcast. Sexy out homies.